0: Good morning. Uh, hopefully, you're all doing well. Uh, we had a good con- uh, seminar yesterday with Peter and Donna Paul Scrap uh, from Kenya uh, yesterday. They talked about discovering our identity. Yeah, and anyway, we just uh, uh, had a good time with them. Anyway, I'm excited about this morning. Uh, go ahead and step and uh, get into the word this morning. Uh, I don't think I have any real uh, big announcements to make this morning. So, anyway. We're just going to jump right in. Um, go ahead and turn with me the Bibles, if you will, this morning as we conclude, our hopefully today, our message on the essence of spiritual maturity. I'm going to start a new message uh, uh, next week. So go ahead and turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll pick it up in verse uh, 11. Paul's writing, and he said, He, gave he Jesus, God, gave He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head of Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by where every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth for the body, for the edifying of itself in love. There's a lot here, and I've spoken on this at length and many times in the past, but God has given us gifts to the church, the five, where we know the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And I start off as we kind of conclude this. We, 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 we've dealt with this in this passage in the series already, but I also understand my role as a pastor. And my, my role in my heart as a pastor is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. And the minute, for the work of the ministry of edifying the body of Christ. My job is to equip you to help edify and minister to one another. Till we all come, verse 13, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The passage continues talking about how we will grow up in Him in all things, talking about maturity. This whole series has been about maturity and growing up in Him in all things. And my heart is that we, as verse 13 says, that we all, and all in the Greek and in the English means all. all. It's everyone, and I don't want just some. I don't want. I'm not picking favorites. But I want all of us, including myself, to come to the unity of what? The faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the, of the fullness of Christ. Christ. And there's a lot here. Uh, we've been studying this and, and different things. And with that, let's go ahead and go to our, te- our main text in Acts chapter 2. Verse 40. And with many words, he, Peter, this is the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, he testified and exhorted them, the, those who, the crowd that was there, saying, Be saved from this perverse or untoward generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so this, these 3,120 now, who were born again for the first time in the history of the church. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. This The early church, as they became born again, they became steadfast in these four areas, and we've been dealing with these the last several weeks. And we're going to conclude on this last one, the day on prayers. See, I believe all prayer involves faith in God's Word. And we've been talking a lot about God's Word in this series, among other series, series that we've talked about. My heart, and I am going to want to connect Ephesians 4 that I started out with this morning with this text, here in Acts, or even just prayer, if we get, we're going to get into that subject again this morning. But I just made a comment that all prayer involves faith in God's Word. And my heart as a pastor is that we, and, and we're, I'm trying to tie this into our theme, and that what we're talking about spiritual earth churchy, that my heart as a pastor is that we all grow, we all come to the unity of the faith. Where does faith come from? It comes from hearing, and hearing the word of God. The early church, they were committed and continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In the word of God. As we continue steadfastly in God's word, faith is born. And as we continue and, and, and steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, we will grow in our faith. And as we continue steadfastly at the body of Christ and in the word of God and the apostles' doctrine, we will all come to the unity of the faith because the faith comes from hearing God's word. And in that faith, fellowship of faith in that fellowship as a church continue to in the unity of the faith it's not an isolation of the faith it's not me and my faith no it's the unity of the faith and if your faith is not unified with the Word of God <clears throat> with the apostles doctrine then you have faith in another doctrine that is not uh, that that's not good. And there's no unity in that. But we all want to grow to in fellowship in the unity of that faith. That makes sense. And as we continue steadfastly in the unity of faith and the apostles' doctrine and then fellowship, we will learn to pray for one another. We will learn to minister with one another. We're here to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Ministry edifying, encouraging one another, and one of those things that we use is prayer. And as we continue to step not only in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, but in breaking bread, in having a meal together, having a covenant together. We talked about this in weeks past. You can go to our archives and get those messages on that. But Breaking the bread also represents a covenant relationship with God. And as we talked about a covenant, how God keeps his word. His word is his covenant. It's the apostles' doctrine. And we continue steadfastly, not only in the apostles' doctrine, but in being reminded of our covenant relationship with God. And because of that, we have a covenant relationship with one another. And as we continue in this in the unity of the faith in a covenant relationship with God and with each other it affects our prayers. Because as we continue in God's Word, and we continue in uh, God's covenant, be reminded of His covenant relationship with us, faith is born. And as we continue together in the unity of that faith, and the fullness of the stature of Christ, we're going to see things happen. You following me so far? I'm trying to connect a lot of different thoughts together with what I'm tra- saying here in introduction this morning. But all prayer involves faith. You cannot pray for others. You cannot pray for your own needs without having faith. And that faith has to come in God's Word. I'm not trusting my prayer. I'm trusting what the Word of God says about prayer. I'm trusting what the Word of God says. And God says we can ask and seek and knock and pray. And I'm not trusting what I'm doing. I'm trusting what God's Word told me to do. I'm trusting God. That makes sense? My faith is in what God has done and what God has told me to do in response to what he has done. But when I, when, I, when I know his covenant relationship with me, like David, when he came on the scene of Goliath and he knew his covenant relationship with his God, when he heard this uncircumcised Philistine Goliath defying the armies of the living God, faith rose up in his heart said, this giant is coming down. And in an in a illustrated form of what I call prayer, he brought that giant down. Because the, the weapons of our warfare, it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, are not carnal. They're not natural, but they're spiritual for the bringing down of strongholds. And most of us don't have a faith problem with the lack of faith. Most of us have an unbelief problem. It was, un- it was because of one sin that, caused, that prevented the Israel from entering to the promised land, and that was called the sin of unbelief. Hebrews, New Testament, the Apostles doctrine, tell us that there's only one sin that's keeping your prayers from being answered and keeping your giant sword speak from coming down. And that is called unbelief. And the only way to starve that unbelief is to get into a relationship with God. Continue steadfastly fastly in the apostles' doctrine and good, wholesome, good, like-minded fellowship and the, and the breaking of bread and a covenant relationship with God. And you begin to pray. Faith on faith in God's word is covenant and not based on your performance and religion. Am I making sense? And when you know your covenant relationship with God, because you continue to step in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and breaking of bread, when we pray, we're not, we're not just praying religiously. We're not just doing some religious exercise. We are praying and based on faith in God's Word. And when we are in faith according to the Word of God, stuff starts That makes sense? Prayer is affected. That's why I'm I'm trying to make a point here in just introduction where I want to go this morning. But prayer is affected by the other three attributes that we've been talking about the last several weeks. My prayer, when I pray and cling to the Apostles' doctrine, I see change. When I pray and find fellowship, agreement, partnership in prayer, With the body of Christ, I see change. When I begin to understand how that God relates to me on the basis of covenant, I begin to have faith in his word, faith in his covenant relationship with me beyond what I feel, beyond what my natural senses, and that God is true to his word based on covenant. And when I begin to pray, things begin to profoundly change. See, what I'm talking about is not experiencing religion, but experiencing Christianity. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is within you. And God, as we talked about last week, has given you the keys of the kingdom to loose and to bind according to his word, according to his covenant. It is time for us to come in fellowship with that, with his word, with his covenant, with one another, and start seeing his kingdom come, his will be done, on earth as it already is in heaven. It's time for us to lose some things, it's time for us to bind some things, according to his word. Not our religious exercise, but in faith, and the... Demonstration of power and, and, and of the gospel. What I'm describing, and you're catching what I'm trying, I spend a lot of time on these four attributes, but I'm trying to describe someone who continues and steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine and fellowship and uh, breaking of bread and prayers. You're going to see someone who's maturing. They're growing. I have matured because I've continued in, this, in the Apostles' Doctrine. I have matured because I have continued in fellowship with the church. I have matured because I've continued in a covenant relationship. And I have matured as I've seen God answer my prayers on a regular basis more than I used to. And I will continue to grow as I continue to uh, be steadfast in these four attributes. In other words, let me just paint another picture. We need to believe what God says over what a pastor or a minister says. We need to believe what God says versus even our family. We need to, this, we need to the, 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 believe what God says, about, and this is not too hard for most of us, despite what the government says or news or the media says. But I'm not putting anyone down. I'm not putting down our pastors or ministers or our family. Or even our government. I'm not putting them down. What I'm trying to do is exalt and magnify our God. I need to believe what God says about my healing. I need to believe what God says about my finances. I need to believe what God says about my relationships with other people in different situations. Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior, yes. But He is my King. He is my God. He is my Lord. And if we are going to grow, and if we're going to mature, we must have confidence in God and His Word. If we're going to grow, we must have confidence in God and His Word. You cannot grow. You cannot mature if you don't have confidence in God and His Word. When I pray, I expect heaven and earth and even hell to move. I expect things to happen when I pray. Why? Because God's word says it. The apostle's doctrine says it. God says it by his covenant. And when I have confidence in God, I expect heaven and hell to move. Why? Because God gave me the keys of his kingdom. God gave me the keys. God gave us the authority. We need to do it right. And we need, and we need to see our faith manifested. His word is the source of my faith. His word is our covenant relationship with God. My faith is, must be rooted in the word of God. The Word of God must be my substance. It must be my evidence. Faith is the byproduct of the Word of God. And when I understand that, that means when I pray, I'm not begging God, I'm not praying that God can do it. I'm receiving what God has already provided. Hopefully, no. we'll we will explain this a little bit more as we go forward. But am I making sense so far? Because we're just kind of barely getting started here this morning. Go ahead and, if you will, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll begin with verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want to stop here just for a moment. I've said this before in many other passages. But I'm going to ask the question again. When's now? Now. Now, <laughs> faith is. Now, faith is. Yes. It's not now faith will be, it's not now faith is going to be, it's not now faith was, it's it's not faith unless it's now, faith is now, faith is not yesterday, faith is not tomorrow, faith is now, okay? Okay? If it's not now, it's not faith. We have hope for tomorrow. And we need hope. That's <coughs> like a whole other message. And I don't, I'm not going to go into so much all that right now. And But most people are surrounded by hope versus faith. We need hope for faith. But faith is now. Faith is right now. Faith has substance. Faith has evidence. And that, that 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 the evidence evidence and the substance of my faith is the word of God. That is my evidence. That is my substance. My evidence is not what is seen naturally. My evidence is the word of God. And the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, it, it, God's word is eternal. God's Word is a covenant. We we've we've spend a lot of time about God's Word is a covenant. And when we understand that, and we understand the Word of God as a covenant, faith is now, because God's covenant is now. And my evidence to what I'm hoping for, my evidence to the substance I'm, I'm hoping for, I'm praying for, is now. Okay? Let's read verse uh, 3 real quick. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by what? The Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's huge. The things that were seen now were not made of things which are visible. They were made by what? The Word of God. God, in the beginning, created everything out of nothing. He created everything out of nothing, as far as what we see. God, himself, had faith in his own word. I want that to sink in for a moment. God had faith in his own word. That's huge. God had faith. That sometimes blows our religious minds apart. God had faith in his own word. The, wor- the worlds were created by the word of God. And the substance of God's faith was his very own word. I want you to sink that out. I want that to sink into your mind. We, 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 we don't think of that. That God needed faith. But God has faith in his own word. And, but I mean, just think about this for a moment. Is God doubting his own word? Is God wavering in his own word? God has faith in his word. And God created everything out of nothing by his word. But faith has evidence. And the evidence of our faith that is now is God's word. The same God who created everything, he said that he, we have been filled with his fullness. It says in John, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, and there are some other references, But we have the fullness of God. And we all want to come to the unity of the faith. And faith is now. Okay? I want that to sink in. the, The substance of what we are hoping for, the evidence of what we can't see with our natural eyes, because we are not governed, we who are born again, we're not governed what we can see naturally. We are governed by the Word of God. See, when David came on the scene with Goliath, all the armies of Israel and King Saul included. All they saw was Goliath. But their are naturalized. But all David saw was the word of God. God's covenant. He didn't even consider how tall and big Goliath was. He knew God's word. And David was in faith. And that giant was dead before he even... And David even picked up the five stones and threw the first one. Why? Because he was operating out of faith. Not out of and And his faith was his evidence. David wasn't being cocky as his brother Eliab thought he was. David was being in faith. And he knew. It says in Romans that uh, Abraham didn't even consider how old his body was. Or how old... Sarah, his wife's body, was. He only considered what? The Word of God. And he called those things which are not as though they are. Why? Because what was his substance? What was his evidence? The Word of God. Church, this is where we're missing it. The early church continues vastly, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of a covenant with God so that when they prayed, things would happen. When Peter and John went to the temple, as it was their routine, they said, silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. We, the kingdom of God is here. We have the keys of the kingdom. We have a covenant relationship with God. And when we pray for one another, we're going to see things happen. When we pray for things, we're going to see things happen. What's our evidence? The Word of God. What's our substance? The Word of God. Am I making sense this morning? And uh, a lot of us are frustrated because we don't see Christianity always working. We don't always see our prayers being answered. Because sometimes we're, we're, we have our, 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 our faith in what we're doing, or a formula instead of simply believing God at His Word. And anything you could ever hope for, anything you could ever hope for. The word hope, I just give you a definition, is a positive expectation of good. That's the definition of it. It's the positive, not negative. That's fear. Fear is a negative expectation of bad. But Hope is the positive expectation of good. And and faith is the substance of what we are positively expecting. When when a, a woman is pregnant, she is what? Expecting. She's not just wishful thinking the baby will come out in nine months. She is expecting. And as she gets closer to the end of her term, she wants that thing to come out! Not just because of the, the discomfort that I'm sure that adds to it, but she wants that child, that baby, that she can grow and mature in the things of God. That makes sense. But she's expecting. When we're praying, we're not wishful thinking. We are expecting! And the, the substance, the evidence is that we are going to have now the thing that we hope for. We're going to have it now. I'm not going to have it tomorrow. I'm not going to have it yesterday. I'm going to have it when? Now. And what's my evidence? The Word of God. What's my substance? The Word of God. God has made available in Jesus the Word of God. He has made, he has made everything available he has promised you anything you have need of. And it's in Jesus. All the promises of God are yes and amen. In him. Where? Through us. It's in him. But it's through us. We miss that part sometimes. Yes, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. But if you read that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, rather. It says that all the promises of God are yes and amen through us. We have to activate it. We have to. It's voice activated, really, if you, if you think about this. We need to put faith to it. We need to put. Uh, we, I'm getting a little ahead of myself with my notes here. We'll get, uh, let me catch up with what I just said. But let me just let me say what I just said a minute ago. Though, G, And Jesus, God, God has promised you anything that you have me done. I don't know a lot. I can expand on this whole idea of promise. We just talked about in weeks past that when God speaks something, it's covenant. Remember that. So God promised something to you, and He spoke. It's His word. His word is covenant. That His promises are covenant. That makes sense. And when we talk about God cannot, and not only he will, he will not, God cannot break his covenant. He cannot break his word. Therefore, he cannot break his promises. All the promises, not some of the promises, not the top ten. All the promises of God are, yes, and amen in him through us. And This, the promises of God, the Word of God, the covenant of God, is the substance of my faith. If you are wavering and not confident that the thing that you hope for is going to come now, then you're wavering from God's covenant, His Word, His promises. And what's going to help that? Get back in the Word of God, the Apostle's and doctrine, into fellowship, and the breaking of bread and gutting. The Word of God is our evidence of the things that I can't even see yet. Faith in the Word of i got to slow down. I'm trying to read my notes, but I want to slow down. Faith in the... Actually, I want to have faith in the Word of God. I want to have confidence in the Word of God versus confidence in a man or myself. Or a pastor, or an evangelist. Does that make any sense? Praise God for those who have a gift of healing and miracles and different things. Praise God for that. I'm not watering that down at all. But when the rubber meets the road, I'm talking about having confidence in God's word versus in. I don't care what man says. I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care what the doctor's report says. I don't care what the financial report says. I don't care. I am (coughs) believing God at His word. Am I making sense? See, it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to break His word, break His covenant, break His promises. It's impossible. God cannot lie. God cannot break His covenant. That's why I spent so, so much time on that. And prerequisite to what I'm talking about now. But faith is not... See, faith is not just me imagining things. Faith is not just me pretending. My faith has evidence. Because it is rooted where? In the Word of God, not the Word of man. I can't have faith beyond God, what God has said. That's why we need to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship where we get good teaching and good uh, people are talking faith. And we need to uh, continue steadfastly in the breaking of bread. Being reminded of our covenant relationship with God. As we do this, we're going to mature. As we get there, we're going to be continuing steadfastly in having faith in God and His Word. I realize we're going to have fellowship at times with the world and different things. Jesus hung out with the publicans and the sinners, and we talked about that. But we also need to have a place where we are around like-minded people who are not speaking doubt, who are not speaking junk and trash, not speaking unbelief, but they're speaking they're speaking truth, they're edifying the body of Christ. That makes sense. I don't think that's the only circle of influence, but we need to have that place where we can, we know, and we just have a good diet, a regular diet of the Apostles' Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, because that can affect our prayers, that can affect our faith. If we're getting it, you know, we're getting good teaching in one answer, but we're also getting bad influence from another, that can, in a sense, get us belief in one moment, unbelief in the next moment, and religion and you know, all different things, and that can nullify our faith. So we need to be, uh, we need to have, continue to step fastly in all three, four of these things, so that when we pray, And not just so we pray, but more importantly, our relationship with God. But also one of the other benefits of that is so that when we pray, (coughs) we are walking in confidence to God and His Word, and it's not being influenced or poisoned by anything else. That makes sense? Um, Okay? Let's let's go forward here. Verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God... Must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. <coughs> Excuse me just for a moment. Again, we're reading the book of Hebrews, and the Hebrews is considered the apostles' doctrine. It's concluded in the Apostles' Doctrine. And the apostle doctrine says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that can, you know, that can blow some of our religious minds apart, too. How do we, how do we, how do we, how do we reconcile? Because some of us are religious minds, those of us who understand grace. Well, now you're talking about performance. No, I'm not. We are saved by grace through faith and we need to understand both grace and faith I believe in faith, I believe without faith works is dead. but you can have no faith without grace and grace is great, but if, if we don't apply faith to it, it, it can't be activated, it can't be it can't, uh, it can't function, and we need both but it is impossible to please God without faith when we come to God and we're talking about in prayer we must believe, first of all, that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The early church would continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and to fellowship and to, and to breaking the bread and prayers. That's diligent. We need to be diligent seeking God. See, every time I, be- I pray, I believe that He is. Okay? I'm not talking to an imaginary friend. I'm not incarnate calling it prayer. I'm not talking to myself and calling it prayer. I'm talking to God who is. I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And I'm fellowshipping with God through prayer. And I'm talking to a God who is. And I believe he is. He's not gonna be. He's not will be. Yes, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. He's a God who is and who was and who, who God who was and is and is to come. But he's a God who is. Faith is now. God is now. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means today, right now, this moment, this instance, God is. I'm not imagining God's not way out there, God's not somewhere else, he's not in another universe, he's not another planet, he's not a, just in another church, he's everywhere, yes. But he, and as far as I'm concerned, for me in my moment, he is here and he is now. That's huge. Some of us know this, but we, we, God is not distant. God is not busy. God is not giving us a deaf ear. God, is not, God has never left us. He has never forsaken us. He is all, even in our worst moments, He has always been with us. God is. We might have left, but God never did. God is, and He is here now. And not only is God is, and I believe He is a rewarder. To answer my prayer. I believe he is eager. To answer my prayer. I believe believe that God is not holding back on me. I believe he already knows what I need before I ask. But he told me to ask. So I'm asking. He told me to seek. So I'm seeking. He told me to knock. So I'm knocking. That's what God told me to do by His Word that is a covenant that He cannot and will not break. And God told me to ask and seek and knock, so I'm going to ask and seek and knock. Because I trust His Word, and I'm going to diligently seek Him as God told me to. I'm not trusting what I'm doing, I'm trusting what His Word told me to do. There's a difference. He told me everyone who asks receives. He told me everyone who seeks finds. He told me everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to seek, and I'm going to knock. In other words, I'm going to receive. I'm going to find. And the door is going to open. Amen? His word is a covenant. And his word is my evidence. And his word is my substance. How are we going to explain? So I'm talking to anyone who has a religious mindset this morning. But how are we going to explain all of that away? And God, God said, whoever asks will receive. Whoever not seeks will find. And everyone who knocks the door will be. How are we going to explain all that away? I'm, not, I'm going to believe God is. And that He is a rewarder of those guiltily see me. Why can I make a covenant relationship with God? It's not based on my performance, but it, it, there is something about me participating with God. Because we are in fellowship. Remember fellowship, koinonia, means partnership. We are partners with God. We are co-neighbors of Christ. And I'm going to believe that when I ask, I receive it. When I knock, I don't care what it looks like, then the door is going to open. When I seek, I don't care how I feel or how long it takes, I'm going to find. That makes sense? What's my evidence? The Word of God. What's my substance? The Word of God. My evidence is not what I see. My evidence is the Word of God. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what everyone else is saying, but the word of God says, I seek, I will find. I knock, the door will be open. What am I trusting? Me? My performance? No. I'm trusting what God says. And God has delegated some authority. God has given me keys, and He's given me the authority to knock, to seek, and to find. And he said, if I do, he will. And God, I will find. I will receive. The door will open. God cannot break his word. He cannot break his covenant. He cannot break his promises. I'm going to believe God. For church, we have no other option. I can't believe man. I can't believe myself. I can't believe religion. I can't believe the devil. I'm going to believe God. If there's no other option, who else are we going to believe? We have to believe God. And God has told us how his kingdom operates. So let's do it. Let's do what he says. Don't try to rationalize and explain it away. It's as simple as taking God as his word and doing what his word says, knowing that he, he's, <coughs> he is going to perform according to his word, his covenant. I'm trying to paint an attitude in prayer. And some of our religious attitudes, (coughs) it needs to go down the tubes. It needs to be flushed. It needs to be plucked out. We need a total do-over. We need to change our stinking attitudes about prayer. And I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to equip us for the work of the ministry. We need to have confidence in God and His Word. And if we're not continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking the bread and prayers, we are going to have a tough time changing our attitude and having confidence in God. I might have confidence yesterday, but I need confidence today because faith is now. And I need to get... Continue steadfastly today as I did yesterday in the Apostles' Doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of prayer and prayer. That makes sense? It is my faith that pleases God. It's called maturity. It's called maturity. God is pleased when I believe according to His Word. He's not pleased when I believe according to the doctor's report. He's not pleased when I'm believing according to the financial report. He's not pleased when, I compl- when I'm believing according to my unbelief. He's pleased when I believe him and his word. It's called maturity. It's called maturity. I can't see it, but I believe him. I believe his word, and that pleases Amen? Hopefully, I'm making sense. See, faith sounds like this. Lord, I, God, I believe you, God, even though I can't see it. I believe you, God, based on your word and your character, your nature. I believe you, God, because I know you cannot lie. I believe you, God, because your word is true. Your word is forever settled in heaven and in earth. I believe you, God, because you are exalted. You have exalted your word above your name. I just believe I have it. I believe it's mine according to your word. What is my evidence? The word of God. What is my substance? The word of God. See, when it manifests, I don't need faith in it. Because I haven't. But faith is now. And I need to have faith when? Now. Not when I when I not when I see it. Not when I can touch it. But I need faith now. Faith is evidence in what is not seen. I don't need faith when I can see it. I need faith when I can't see it. And I can only see it through the imagination. God's Word. If you understand what I'm saying here, I'm basing that off Andrew Womack's teaching on imagination. I see it because God's Word has painted that imagination in me. Hopefully this is making sense this morning. Go with me real quick to John chapter 20. The way I'm going. You ever do. Jesus was just raised from the dead. He told his disciples, "I'm going to die, and on the third day, I'm going to rise again." Jesus died, according to what he said, and no one believed him. They were all miserable. They were all they all scattered in a sense. God told him, Jesus told him that it was going to happen, but they didn't believe him. But we pick up the story from John's account, verse 25, John 20 25. <clears throat> and we're talking about Thomas here. He got the name Doubting Thomas for a reason. <clears throat> and the other disciples, the other ten, the day when Judas already happened, so there's ten other disciples. Therefore said to him, Thomas, which make eleven, We have seen the Lord. And so he Thomas said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of nails, and put my finger in the print of the nail print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after what? Eight days. Remember that eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas said, I'm sorry, they were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came and the door the door behind shut and stood in the midst and said peace to you. And then he said, he, Jesus said to Thomas reach out your finger here and look at my hands and reach out your hand here and put it in my side. Do not, do not be unbelieving but believe it. Thomas had this conversation with the other ten disciples eight days earlier was present there in that conversation. That Jesus knew. Jesus heard even Thomas's doubts. Where he spoke. Okay? In other words, I want to just make a point of that. Jesus not only hears our faith, but Jesus can also hear our unbelief. Thomas had unbelief, but verse 27 and then he, Jesus said, uh, no, I read that already. Verse 28. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. But in verse 29, and Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's huge. A lot of us, I know there's been times with myself, we have all acted like doubting Thomas. We have all, many times we have said in our own prayers, I won't believe it until I see it. Folks, that's not faith. That's doubt. That's unbelief. That's not faith. Thomas would only believe if he saw it. But Jesus had for those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now is faith. Faith is the the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Okay. <clears throat> Let me just say this. Every religion has believed in something they have not seen. Even the lost believe in what they haven't seen. How many believe there is a heaven? Have you seen it? What is your evidence? What is your substance? Prove it to me. There's a heaven. How many of you <clears throat> saw Jesus die on the cross? How many of you saw it with your own eyes? How many of you saw his last breath? How many of you saw him in the tomb? How many of you saw him raised from the dead? How many of you saw him ascended to heaven? Do you believe it? What's your substance? What's your evidence? I believe the Gives me the evidence and the substance that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. How many of you saw him sprinkle his very own blood on the mercy seat for the remission of all of our sins? What's my substance? What's my evidence? The Word of God. You were created to believe. Like I said, even the world and other religions believe they didn't have a sin. Let me just give you some examples. Do you believe in an atom? Have you seen one? Do you believe in radio signals? Have you seen them? People believe in global warming. They don't even have natural evidence. (laughs) Yet they believe. People believe stuff all the time. They believe and they don't have any evidence for what they've seen. We need to believe the Word of God. We have evidence. We have substance. The Word of God is enough. No matter how you feel, no matter what you see, no matter what you, your brain is telling you, no matter even what experts, so called experts, are saying. You need to have put your confidence in God and God alone. Go with me real quick here in the first John chapter 5. <clears throat> I'm rounding third base so hopefully we can take, finish this in time. And this passage I'm getting ready to read. I've been chewing on this for the last couple months. John, again, one of the apostles. I only highlight that because we talked about continuing to fasten the apostles' doctrine. He says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? Hears us. He heard Thomas. His his unbelief, God hears us when we ask anything according to his will. Verse thirteen. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, what's whatever? Whatever. Whatever we ask, we know that we have to petitions that we have asked for. And we we'll read verse 15 again. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know, we are confident, we know that we know that we know that we know that we have, we're not going to have, we not should have, we not may have, we have the petition, petitions that we have asked of him. When do we have it? When we receive it? Or when we ask? Faith is when? Now. What's my substance? The word of God. He told me to ask. He told me to seek. He told me to knock. And when we know that he hears us, we have the thing that he asked for. We can now, now, and again, verse 14 again. Now, when's now? Now is now. This is the confidence that we have in who? Ourselves? Our prayer? Our religion? In him. We have confidence in him. He is the word. He is now. In Him, that we have, we, ask, we ask anything according to His will. What's His will? We need to be in the gospel doctrine. We need to be in His covenant. We know His word. We know His will. He hears us. Am I making sense with this? As we're maturing and we're growing, my prayer is that we would all come to the unity of the faith. How do you get faith? The word of God. How do you know His will? The word of God. In that word, his will is his substance. Is our evidence that we know that he hears us. And if he hears us. We know that we have the thing that we ask for. What's my substance? The word of God. What's my evidence? The word of God. I know that I know that I know. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care if it's impossible. My God is the God of impossible. I have the thing I've asked for. Because his word has said it. And that settles it. Amen? Whew. How do you know you're saved? How do you know that you're born again? I don't know about you, but there's times I don't feel saved. But I know I'm saved because the Word of God says I am. What is my evidence? The Word of God. What's my substance? The Word of God. You don't have to turn to Him because of time, but it says in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, That if we believe in our heart that he is raised from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, we shall be saved. What's my evidence? The word of God. What's my substance? The word of God. We are saved. We know we are saved. Not based on our feelings. Not based on how we act. But based on the word of God. That's my evidence. See, even going back to verse 14, we can have confidence. I've met so many Christians and even at times myself, I'm I'm seeing this one ingredient missing. And at times even in my own life, I am seeing sometimes I don't have confidence. When I'm true to myself, when I'm honest, I pull back the onion, I am trusting everything that will be, will be, or trusting everything's going to fall apart. I'm, I'm I'm trusting that I'm not going to have enough finances or whatever. Sometimes I have confidence in what I'm not supposed to have confidence in, and I need to have confidence in the Word of God. In other words, I'm going to say it this way. I need to repent, change my mind, and believe the Word of God. I need to change my attitude. I might know it doctrinally. I might know the Word of God, but I'm believing something else. That makes sense? You can know the Word of God and believe in sickness. You can know the Word of God and believe in lack. You can know the Word of God and believe in in whatever negative thing we can can talk about. Or we can not only know the Word of God, but we can believe the Word of God. That by his stripes we are healed. That my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We can have, I'm not just talking about saying the right words, I'm not just talking about saying the right phrase, I'm talking about having confidence in God and His Word. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about saying the right thing. There's importance about that, but I'm not trusting what I'm saying, I'm trusting I'm responding in faith according to that. That makes works? That makes sense? It's called the law of faith. It's called the, the, the works of faith. And I need to appropriate the word of God by not trusting what I do and I'm trusting what his word told me to do. There's a difference. That making sense? But this confidence is that we ask Anything according to what? His word. I'm not asking according to what I want or I need. I'm asking according to His word. I'm asking according to His promises. I'm asking according to His will. I'm asking according to His covenant that He has with me, His child. We know we have. We know we have. We know we have the things that we ask for. We know we have. I don't, I don't. I might not see it. I might not be able to feel it. I might not be able to touch it. I might not be able to hear it. But I know, and I know, and I know I have the thing that I ask for. What's my evidence? What's my substance? What's my confidence? The Word of God. And the word of God alone. It's not the word of God plus something. It's not the word of God might but something. It's the word of God. I don't. You know, so many people will say, "I don't know, Pastor Dave. I know the word of God says that, but." Well, you need to get your butt out of the way. Instead, I want to say this: I know you're going to do something by God, but God said, but God said. But God said, get your butt out of the way and get God's butt in there. Because God says, you are more than conquerors through him who loved you. I can have confidence. I have the thing that I ask for when I ask. I know he hears me. I know he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who don't seek him. I know he hears me. If I know that he hears me, I know that I have Not that I wish for, not that I hope for. I have the thing that I ask of him. When do I know I have it? When do I know I have it? When? When I see it? No. When it manifests? No. I know I have it. When I ask. How does a mother know she is going to have a child? When, When the baby comes out nine months later? Or when she's conceived, and she knows that she knows she's pregnant, she's not imagining that, she's not pretending that, she's not stuffing a pillow under her shirt to make it look like she's pregnant. No, she knows, and she's going to have that child. She's not just having that child nine months later; she has it now. This goes go against anything about abortion. She has that child. It's a living being. It's a baby. It's a life soul. It has a heartbeat. It's a lie. It's a creation of God. And she has it. She's not going to get to see it. She couldn't do, um, uh, uh, done those step, uh what, what do you call those things? Uh, the uh, the sonogram. Sonogram. Excuse me, I just, uh, I... But She can see it in that sense, but she's not going to be able to see it with her own eyes, without machinery and whatnot, until it comes out of the womb. But she knows she's got it. You know, we know that we have the thing that we ask for. We are conceived in our heart by faith, by the Word of God. When we believe God by His Word, that thing that we have for is conceived. Mary, when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, uh, You're going to have a child. And she said, and she her response to that was, let it be unto me according to your what? Word. Let it be unto me according to your word. wasn't according to Mary's word. wasn't according to someone else's word. It was according to His word. And she said, let it be. I believe in that moment when she said, let it be according to me and according to your word. I believe in that instance Jesus was conceived in the womb. When we heard the gospel and we believed the gospel, in essence we said the same thing Mary said, let it be unto me according to your word. Let me be born again. Let me receive Jesus. I believe in that instance. When we believe in our heart and we confess him as Lord, we were born again in Jesus the living word was conceived in our hearts, and we were born again, according to 1 Peter one twenty three, we were born again not by corruptible seed, but we were born again by incorruptible seed, by the word, enduring word of God. The same way that you receive Christ is the same way that you walk in him. Being established and rooted in what? The faith. We're talking about all coming to the unity of faith. The word, Faith comes by the Word of God. Faith is now. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. When do we have it? When we say, Lord, let me have what we've asked for according to your Word. That thing is conceived in your heart. You have it. You are conceived with it. It's yours. Start changing your language. Start washing, in a sense, washing your mouth out What's so. with the word of God. Start changing your things. Start calling those things as not as though they are. Abraham didn't even consider how old he was. He only received what God said. He was going to have a child. And the father of many nations, he changed his name from Abraham to the father of many nations. Change your name. Change your language. Change it. Because you have the thing that you asked for. It is conceived and it will come to pass. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen through him. in him through us. I'm not going to get it. I have it. We have to change our language. I'm not going to get it. I have it. Is mine. My evidence, my pink slip, if you will, is the Word of God. My evidence is the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. God is true. How do I know I have it? I have it by faith in the Word of God. What is my evidence? The Word of God. What is my substance? The Word of God. Pray without season. Don't let go. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't change your language. You have it. You're not going to get it. You have it. Why? The word of God says so. (coughs) Mark eleven twenty-four. Just hanging with me for a few moments. I know I'm going over. But Mark eleven twenty-four says the same thing. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you want, ask. Where, when? When you pray. Believe that you receive them. And you shall, will have them. Believe you receive them. When are you supposed to believe that you receive them? When you ask. You're not going to believe them. When you see them when you get it. You believe when you ask. And you shall have them. When do I believe I receive? I believe when I... I believe it, I receive it, and I have it. When I pray when I have it. We believe it first. We receive it first when we ask. I don't receive it when I see it. I I receive it when I ask. I have it by faith in God's Word. It may take a, a minute, to manifest, it may take an hour, it may take a week, it may take a month, it may take a year. But I have it. And yes. It is coming. I have it because faith is when? Now. Faith is now. I have it. I don't care how long it takes to manifest, I have it. See, I used to pray. And wouldn't believe I had it until I saw it. And guess what? I never saw it. But I begin to pray and believe I have it when I ask. And I started, I started seeing that. And what we're talking about, this all it has to do with maturity. Someone who believes God in his word is someone who's mature. And I don't get me wrong, just because you're not seeing Prayer's answer, I'm not calling you in return. I'm not getting down on you. I'm just talking about we need to grow in stature and the knowledge of God. I'm just trying to help. And I believe your faith will grow even more once you start seeing things happen on a more regular basis. I'm not putting that don't don't go there and that's not, not what the Spirit of God is trying to say this morning. That's the enemy trying to take the seed and take it away not putting down people and not calling people immature. But I also know there's let me just you put me on the spot. I know there's areas in my prayer life that are still immature. I know there's areas in my getting into the doctrine of God's word and the apostles' doctrine is still immature. I know there's areas in my fellowship that are still immature. I know there's areas of breaking of bread and are still immature. There's areas of prayer that are still immature. I thank God for where I'm at and I'm not where I was. But I'm also not where I want to be. We're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from faith to faith by the, by the Spirit of God. Amen. We're growing. We're admonishing. We're encouraging one another. You might not be where you want to be, but you're not where you once were. Don't get don't get don't let the enemy give you a negative attitude. Let me go with one more scripture here, Philippians chapter four. I'm almost done. thank you for being patient Reference 4, 6. be anxious for nothing <coughs> but in what? Some things Or in everything But in everything by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. that your requests be made known to God. All right, I read that again. Be anxious for nothing, but in... Some things, in most things, in spiritual things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to your neighbor, your spouse, your pastor, to God. If we believe (coughs) that God has heard us when we pray, and we believe that we already have it, what is the most natural response that we're supposed to say? Thank you. When someone gives you something. Uh, you know, whether it be a gift, money, a car, a home, a cookie, you know, a meal, we say thank you. If we believe that he hears us, and we believe that we have the thing that we ask for when we ask, what's our most natural or supernatural response? We say thank you. Amen? Don't we do that? Isn't that the most polite thing to do when someone gives you something? And if you know that you know that you know that you have it when you ask, then your response should be thank you. And from that day forward, from that moment forward, you're not asking, you're thanking Him for what you have already received. Am I making sense? This is huge. Some people lose it right here. They've asked. But in in a sense, they keep asking. Know that we have received it and say thank you. And from that moment forward, Until you see the manifestation, you already have it. But until you see the manifestation, you're just going to say, thank you, I have it. And your language, your attitude, your demeanor is changing because you have it. You're thanking him. You're receiving from him. It's yours. Thank him. And that's what, you're just going to brag about what he's done. It's not based on what you've seen in the natural. Faith is now. It's a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen it in the natural, but it's yours because your evidence is God's word. Your substance is God's word, and you're just simply saying thank you. You're not playing some religious game. You're not trying to pretend. You know that you know that you know you have it, and you're just thanking him for it because that's just a, that's just a natural, polite, and, and that's just a natural response to say, thank you. Because there's a resolve in your heart. I have it. So I'm going to thank him for it. See, I'm just going to wrap up with a couple of notes here. I'm turn this up. i wrap this up. See, God's purpose in prayer And everything we've been talking about is is having a relationship with God and fellowship. He doesn't want to just meet your need. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to teach you. He wants to show you things. See, prayer changes us. And it also changes our circumstances. Quit praying for God to change. God doesn't need to change. God changes not. Spend time with Him and watch Him, His Word, change you. So many times in our prayers we're trying to get God to move. We're trying to get God to change. Now, spend time with Him and watch Him change you. And He will change you and one of the things he's going to change is your attitude and trust in him, his word. And your confidence that you have the thing that you ask for. He's going to teach you how to pray. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, was he wishy washing his prayers? Or did he know that he had the thing that he asked for? We can know that we have the thing that we ask for. See, prayer is the avenue God has ordained. God has ordained prayer. Man didn't come up with this. God has ordained prayer. But as an avenue, God has ordained for us to receive our provisions provided by Jesus, by His grace. Jesus has already forgiven us. Jesus has already healed us. Jesus has already prospered us through the cross. But that is where we mix our faith with the grace of God. All the promises are already yes and amen in Him through us. But we need to mix our faith with His Word. Prayer is God and man working together. It's called co yeah. It's called partnership. Real so quickly, I know I turned out the project but if you have your Bibles, you can jump into in James chapter 5. i got to wrap up with this. I forgot I have one more scripture. If not, just give me your good ear here. James chapter 5, I'm going to go to verse 13. I know I'm over. Thank you. You guys have been good with your patience. It says in verse 13, If anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. If anyone cheerful, let him sing songs. If anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced. It's, it's really, there's a lot here. I don't have time to teach all of this at the end here. But if, to, if James starts off in the context I read, is anyone sick? Let them pray. We need to pray. Do you have a need? That God has already promised the, the, the God has already and you know, let me just say this, God has already provided the answer before you even have the need. I can teach this from so many different angles. God created the heavens and the earth before he created man. He created everything man needed before he ever created him. And God has already made every provision you need through Jesus before you were ever born. And before you were ever born again and became a child of God, God has already provided everything you need through Jesus. All we need to pray. But what I also see in this passage in James is The church is involved, too. Praying for one another. Ministering to one another. Forgiving one another. Anointing one another in prayer. There's a covenant going on here. There's a relationship going on here. Um, The elders of the church, the apostles, and the leaders, the the, the, the whole church is involved here. But he also says the prayer of faith shall save the sick, shall heal the sick. Our prayers are about much. That's one thing I'm trying to point out. We make a difference. And we make a difference in our prayers. The enemy wants to make, make it sound like we don't make a difference. No, we do. But we got to have faith in God and His Word and His Word alone. We make a difference if we really pray. And if we pray the way God has ordained prayer. Um, hopefully I'm making sense as I'm closing this out. I've been talking about maturity. There's more I could even talk about uh, about maturity. Even some things of, about just church maturity. Uh, um, I there's some things I even thought about talking about even immaturity and dealing with some uh, some some issues. Let me just say this: I, I'm not going to go here, but I, um, as far as teaching a whole series on this, I, at least right like, like now, right now. Dwayne Sheriff, he has a teaching on uh, immaturity, being a Trojan horse. <clears throat> if you know the story of a Trojan horse, the Trojan horse was a, a way that <coughs> Troy overtook, I forget what the uh, name of the other country was. But it became, there was this one country that just could not be overtaken. And finally the they came up with this scheme of a Trojan horse to uh, overtake the country. You know, I just encourage you to read your history lesson on, on the whole Trojan horse. I, I don't want to take the time to, te- to re-teach the whole history on that. <coughs> but, uh, Dwayne Sheriff is, is, is his teachings, he has to talk about how, how immaturity is a Trojan horse in the church today. I don't think, you know, a lot of times we think that sin and other kinds of sins or like immorality, for example, is there's that's a Trojan horse in the church, and I don't, I agree with Dwayne sheriff. I believe it's immaturity. Immaturity is very dangerous, and there's a lot of, and I'm, again, I'm not picking on people, but there's a lot of immaturity in the body of Christ today, and we see the results of that in our world, and different things are going on. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail, we're supposed to be above and not beneath. We have we are the light in the world, the salt in the earth. We have the spirit of God. We have the finished work of the cross. We have so much at our disposal, but there's a lot of immaturity because the church has not continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship. And then a lot of churches fighting and dividing one another. Uh, They haven't continued in uh, the apostles' doctrine. I mean, in uh, breaking the bread and also in prayers. If we continue steadfastly in these four things, we would mature. Immaturity would not be uh, something that would destroy us. I believe immaturity has, has destroyed a lot of our churches and has desto- from the inside out. It has destroyed a lot of our families and marriages and, 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 and every generation. But we how, how do we fix that? We get back into the Apostles' Doctrine the Fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. That's how we fix it. That's how we maintain that. If you stop in any of these areas, you will dry up and you will be immature in that area if not all four areas. And you will see that the enemy will come in like a Trojan horse almost overnight. But in a a scheme to destroy your life and draw you away from God and different things. It looks The Trojan horse, when it came in, they thought it was a gift. It, or, or what not, but it wasn't. It was actually their downfall. And so, immaturity, it can be like a chosen horse. It can come in very subtly. It can come in very casually. And all you have to do is withdraw yourself from these four areas, and you won't grow. You'll dry out. You'll actually find it, uh, uh, I don't know the term for it, but you will uh, decrease. You will uh, no, the word out there Lord, but you will just you will shrink up you will just you'll uh, grow cold and, uh, water, water, even <laughs> so, uh, you know sour you know you'll grow your attitude will, will, will become bitter uh, towards God towards people towards the church and I know sometimes when I talk about that with they been in fellowship people have hurt you maybe churches have hurt you maybe pastors have hurt you uh, but God has never hurt you you might think that you might think God has failed you because of what others have taught, or you've taught yourself, or an enemy has taught you. <coughs> but I promise you, as a pastor, as a pastor, that if you will continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers, you will grow. And I believe without fail, you will grow. And I just exhort you that we all come to the unity of the faith and the, of the knowledge of God with the full stature of Christ. And that's what my heart, that's what, That's why we do everything we do, including the live stream, including our Bible classes and, and, and studies. Everything we're trying to do is a cycle to help you grow. And there's more I could expound on even just that. Uh, but that's why we, we're doing what we're doing. Starting next week, I'm going to start a new series called A Step Being Established in the Father's Love. And we need that. And so many times we need to come back to the simplicity of just receiving our Father's love. And uh, anyway, um, so Lord, we just worship you. We exalt you. We, bless, we just um, thank you for your, your, your gospel. We thank you that we have the thing that we ask for when we ask. Lord, teach us afresh how to pray. Teach us afresh how to, how to, to continue the apostles' Doctrine and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the, the prayers bless us as we go. Bless the rest of the remainder of this day and the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen. God bless you. If you're available, come join us tonight at six o'clock for Bible study. We have an early at five thirty for worship. And anyway, have a blessed week.